Friday, the 5th of February. Welcome to our afternoon sport deep dive. I'm Tim Gilbert and I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee. Mate, four days into your alpha, alpha diet, how are you? Five days in, mate. I am I'm going well. It's getting easier, Goodness. I think. And uh, I'm looking forward to I'm going to give myself a little, little slight leave pass this Monday for the Super Bowl. I have a couple of chicken wings there, but we'll see how we go after that. Yeah, I'll tell you what, but, uh, you know, sticking to those greens and, and the water, good on you. You're a better man than me as he does Feb fast. We've got a huge show on the way. We've got Corey McKernan to look at both the AFL and, of course, the Super Bowl, John Stephenson, and umpire Paul Wilson. This is Afternoon Sport. Let's go. Afternoon sport. Well, Shane, the Australian Open, uh, it's a huge story, isn't it? This community case of COVID-19 has set Melbourne uh, racing. Of course, they went through that very bleak, dark winter. But Craig Tiley, the boss of Tennis Australia, has come out and said the tournament goes ahead, starts Monday. Mate, if it's a game of poker, he's pot committed. Uh, <laughs> significant costs invested by Tennis Australia. It must go ahead. Um, I think they've spent close to $60 million just on the players getting them here. It has to go ahead. And look, I'm sure they've got plans in and around this. I think one thing we've learned from COVID is that uh, we should never be complacent. It's always a chance it's going to come back for at least a little while anyway. So, um, yeah, the show must go on. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see the crowd situation by the time we get to Monday as well. Um, because, look, uh, fingers crossed, this is just a uh, you know a small incident and not many people get it. But if, if we find out over the next few days that there's more infection, there could be a real problem. Yeah, it could be. And uh, as you said, let's hope it's only a little blip on the radar. Fingers crossed. I think they've gone back into compulsory wearing masks now and uh, they're changing things straight away. So that's, uh, I think, the beauty of the experience so far. We can react quickly um, and get that contract tracing happening. So look, fingers crossed. And um, yeah, but, but it'd be lovely for the players after being in lockdown to actually come out and play in front of a decent crowd. It's been a while for the tennis players. Yeah, it's it's a wobbly old world. Hopefully this vaccination might sort things out by middle to late year, uh, particularly when it comes to sport because the Olympics aren't far away as well. Now, last night in the Big Bash, what do you think of the Scorchers? They, they pretty much smashed the Brisbane Heat, didn't they? Unbelievable turn of form. Um, the Scorchers are obviously not getting to play at home in Perth and have not won a game out of four games in Canberra, they absolutely annihilated the Heat. Uh, the Scorchers won for 189 in a shortened game. Uh, they would have got well over 200. Bancroft played beautifully, opening the batting 58 of 42. Livingston, the man of the match, 77 of 39 balls. And Mitchell Marsh chipped in with 49 of 28. And uh, the Heat can only come back with nine for 150. They looked demoralised. Um, it was funny they didn't um, have Mornay Morkel starting I just think if you can get wickets in, in a final, particularly in, in a shorter version of the game, you're a chance. And they used him as the, the substitute. But, uh, yep, uh, so they did now go into the final to play the Sixers on Saturday night. Should be a really good match. Yeah, Warney's become brutal, hasn't he, in commentary. He smashed Joe Burns. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to get on Warney's bad side, that's for sure. And, oh, uh, goodness. Yeah, but look, I think so. And, and body language means, means a lot. And, uh, you know, Burns has been supported by a lot throughout the summer, and uh, once he dropped his head, you know, Warnie really gave it to him. Yeah, uh, what about um, in other sport? Of course, uh, we're looking at rugby league, Payne Haas, off-field behaviour. Um, what did you make of all that? And Kevin Walters, the coach of Brisbane, when he got asked about it, walked out. Yeah, reading the transcript uh, this morning, didn't read very well for him, did it? And uh, look, he's come out and said, sorry, look... We tend to say this a lot about sportsmen. Everyone uh, deserves a second chance. So um, let's hope he can get himself sorted. But it wasn't some very nice stuff, particularly what he said to the female police officer. 
Yeah, we'll have to watch that space with interest. High drama, of course. There's all the things going on with Collingwood. We'll talk to Corey McKernan about that. And we'll also chat to Super Bowl. So, uh, Corey, I think he's on the line now. Corey, how are you? Pretty good, guys. How are you going? Not bad, mate. Uh, let's start with the Collingwood stuff. The players have come out as a group and have given an official apology. Is this the real light topic off the top, Shane, wasn't it? <laughs> just, just start, we'll just ease into that one. Pop that one, big fella. See, but it's, it's interesting because they've come out and apologised as a group, and obviously this has um, been masterminded by someone, a, a group of uh, footy players and their netball players all together. Uh, Eddie failed to do that the other day with that scrambling, messy old media conference where he said it was a proud day and he retracted it. It's been, it's, it's just been a bit of a jumbled week, hasn't it? Oh, look, it has. Look, I know what all current day players, the uh, from the from netball to football to everyone associated with the Collingwood Football Club. You know, I mean, no one ever wants to see race, racism of any, any form. And I know, I would imagine, at the Collingwood Football Club nowadays, there wouldn't be any at all. The the club should apologise. I'm not sure about the players having to come out and and do what they did, but I don't know. I think probably everyone at Collingwood at the moment is just a little bit jumpy at the moment and, and it hasn't, as you mentioned off the top, it hasn't pr- probably been the best week for the club and just through a, a few choice bad words by Ed and, and look what everything's evolved into. And let's go to a, another very light topic, Israel Falahel. Um, I don't know if you've been following this story, but uh, I've actually got um, – on good authority that uh, when the story broke, it was actually uh, potentially leaked by the St. George Dragons themselves. They wanted to test sentiment um, to see what would happen. And uh, as it turned out, the people power came into action and no Israel Folau. What are your thoughts? You know what, Shane? Like I, I, I pose this little teaser to you. So we all understand that some of Israel's views are a little bit left of centre. And probably in today's environment, they're probably something that, you know what I mean? Most of us don't agree with. They're, they're just his views. Now, where do we sit nowadays if we're going to throw it out there? And if that's true that St. George have actually leaked this uh, out there just to test the sentiment, well, where do we stop? You know I mean, I know yeah. you mentioned jo- well, Jordan Degoe at the moment is facing charges later in the year. Are we going to go on the moral police and, you know what I mean, are we going to get rid of Jordan Degoe? No, we, we won't. But I just find it hard. We're... <laughs> Where, where are we going to draw the line with, uh, you know, I mean, public sentiment and doing good and everything like that? Look, as we mentioned, Israel's um, views are very much left of centre and probably not, you know, I mean, they're probably not widely accepted in, in today's environment. But I pose the question back, where do we start with NRL players and AFL players that are potentially with um, – yeah, you know, I mean, they've probably done things worse than just having views. Yeah. Where do we stop? Mm. Yeah, and look, we've seen the story with Payne Haas and, and the words and the transcript with police. Uh, look, it, it, we saw it with Matt Lodge. We've seen it countless times in league. We've seen it countless, countless times in AFL. And I dead set don't agree with what Israel Folau has said, but it is a democracy and that's the world we live in. So we need to think very sensibly about the way we move forward in and around this. I think personally that one of the NRL clubs will move ahead and sign it and they'll they'll get through it, but they'll do it with all those very strict protocols. I just want to go back to AFL just quickly, Corey, Corey because you were with the Kangaroos very successfully for over a decade, 12 years. Did you see any racism? Not one little bit. Um 
and again, I'd have to cast some mind back to him because it's a long time ago. But we we had a number of um, a number of great Aboriginal players that came through the doors at the Kangaroos, and 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 they were my favourite to play footy with. Like we had Byron Pickett, who, by the way, you wouldn't want to mess with anyway. <laughs> um, we had Winston Abraham, Gary Durke, um, Adrian McAdam. I know that there were instances that Adrian McAdam, for example, you know, I mean, did cop some racism out on the ground, was never within the in the four walls of the North Melbourne Football Club. But whenever you heard, I, I, and again, takes my mind back a long time, but whenever one of your own was actually, it's no different to um, at that time, you know what I mean? Like like mm. one of your mates getting into a fight, but if you ever heard any anything untoward as far as uh, racism or they're one of your own. You stick up for them. Yeah, that's that's the beauty of team sport, isn't it? But brings brings everyone together, all different cultures, all different people, all different backgrounds, and uh, yeah, that's a uniting thing that sport can do. And just on that, Tim, like you you you, you don't even look at it as mm. you know, I mean, a, a a black or a white or anything like that. They, they come in, and you know what I mean. That they, they train train their butt off. You're only expecting them to come in and, and, and play well. That's that's all you, the expectation is. There's nothing to do with the colour of anyone's skin. And, and to be honest, our Indigenous population over the years in both AFL and Rugby League have arguably been the best players. Just extraordinary. Some of the names you just mentioned, what they were able to do on a footy field, and I'm talking beyond the actual social issue here, was just phenomenal. Um, let's let's have a look at the Super Bowl because it is much more than just a game, isn't it? $7.2 million for a 30-second commercial, and with all the darkness of COVID, it hasn't dropped any of the anticipation. We've obviously got this Broadway story right in the middle of it. Yeah, we have. And look, just on that, one of the great things that the NFL have done, they've got 7,500 uh, first responders or the doctors and nurses in America that have been being flown in and they're giving them tickets to the Super Bowl, which I think is a magnificent gesture from the NFL. I think they've got a capacity of uh, 22,000 they're letting into the Super Bowl. I think the Raymond James Stadium has got a capacity of 65,000. But as you mentioned, you talk about Broadway, Look, I know it's Kansas City uh, versus uh, Tampa Bay, but really the storyline is Mahomes versus Brady. It's the first time two winners of the previous two Super Bowls have faced off. You got the highest pass average per game of all time in Patrick Mahomes, leading yeah. versus the leading passer of all time. So I, I tell you what, if you're a sports fan out there, and I know that there's many of you out there, even if NFL's not not your go. Just think of it like this. You probably got to see Kobe versus Michael, but we never got to see uh, LeBron versus Michael or Tiger Woods versus Jack Nicholas. This yep. is the closest thing that we'll probably ever get to have a, a real chance of seeing potential two greats of all time. And look, I, I can't wait for, for Monday morning when it eventually kicks off and we can sit down and just watch an absolute classic of a contest. Uh, well said, mate. This is the Haley's Comet of sport, isn't it, for uh, for our generation? Hey, a uh, quick uh, crystal ball. Who do you think is going to win? I knew you'd say that, Shane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Shane, I'm going to do something in life I should never, ever do, and that is I'm going against the life rule that right. I'm picking against Tom Brady in a Super Bowl. Wow. And, and the only reason I'm doing it is probably take outside the Mahomes versus Brady narrative, but it's probably due to um, Kansas City who got a great tight end in, in Travis Kelsey and a running, a running back in Tyreek Hill, and they're both 
absolute superstars. That is the only thing mm. that's getting me across the line. But Shane, I tell you what, it pains me to yeah. If I was putting my hand in my pocket and having mm. a punt, it would be very hard to punt against Tom Brady. Well, one thing we know, it's going to be high scoring because that's just the nature of both these footy teams. And look, you're in good company if this makes you feel any better. Colin Scott's also went for the the young bull in this one. Uh, Corey, we will chat with you early next week and uh, we'll unstitch exactly what does happen. Have a great weekend. No worries, guys. Let's hope for a classic. Coming up on Afternoon Sport, he was a player, played for Australia. He's now an umpire, an umpired in the series between Australia and India. Paul Wilson joins us. Afternoon Sport, and look, one of the toughest jobs in sport is when you've got to adjudicate what is going on out in the middle. And, uh, of course, Paul Wilson, a former Australian cricketer, umpired much of the Test Series, and he joins us right now. How are you, Blocker? Hi, guys. How are you going, Ron? Real good. Blocker, thanks for coming to the show, mate. It seems an eternity, mate, since you're a former cricketer. It's a real good story, this, Timmy, with uh, Blocker. I'm sure you know his story, but, you know, he started in Newcastle, didn't really get a run with the junior sort of representative stuff and uh, decided to drive all the way to Adelaide to the Cricket Academy to knock on Rod Marsh's door and say, hey, I'm here to bowl. I want to play cricket for Australia. And Rod Marsh let him in and that turned into a good idea, turned into a, a reality, mate. So, Blocker, now you're an umpire. How things have changed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, it's, it's hard to believe a couple of us are umpires, uh, a pistol being one of them. Um, but here we are all these years later, um, standing on the cricket field together, umpiring test matches. So, um, yeah, it's a bit surreal, really. Yeah, well, let's let's go back to that time because that, that, that's just an extraordinary story, isn't it, Block? Of, look, you obviously believed in yourself. Tell us more about it. Uh, I'm not sure, yeah. It's interesting about believing myself. I suppose I, I sort of did in some way. Um, but it was just one of those uh, things I thought of on the spur of the moment that um, with opportunities, as, uh, as Shane had said, that uh, were sort of limited, I just – I yeah, took the opportunity. A mate of mine from school was actually on a sports scholarship in South Australia at the time. So I sort of uh, killed two birds with one stone, catching up with him and sort of going to the academy. And it's, uh, it's sort of the rest, the rest is history from there. But uh, yeah, I don't know what it was, but I just thought to myself, well, I'll have a go at this. Uh, I put my studies at the time on hold to see how far I could take it um, with obviously the plan B going back to university or study and getting on with life that way but um, I never had to go back which is a great result. I remember I remember Rod Marsh saying and um, this is a good lesson for anyone listening in but Rod Marsh loved the fact that anyone is willing just to get in, get in his own car and just show up with no invitation and um, and just pure grit and determination he really believed you wanted it and it's a really good lesson in life and um, you know often people shy away from a lot of things so mate it's a really commendable thing you did I think. Yeah it's um, again it's I don't know what it was, but it, it was just one of those things that uh, if you have that desire or a goal in mind or um, just to go and pursue it and see how far you can take it. And in this case, it didn't happen overnight, obviously, but um, it was it was a different way, mate, I suppose, a very unusual way of getting to the end result. So uh, I went in a roundabout way to getting there, but um, yeah, I don't uh, regret it for a moment. Now, Block, you, you were a big, fiery, quick bowler, fast bowler, and um, do you have a different appreciation now that you're an umpire? Because I know all us bowlers um, – we often believe when it hits them on the pad, it's got to be out. But uh, it was frustrating sometimes when the umpire said not out. Do you have a different appreciation now that you're the one actually making the decision? Yeah, you do um, on a number of levels. I mean, I think the advantage you have of being an ex-fast bowler is you can see things possibly happening before they do in regards to how the bowler's going, that white line fever, which is a great part of our sport. But it's a matter of making sure guys don't go too far. Um, but the appreciation, yeah, with decisions you make um, – 
tick with LBW is I think what you realize when you umpire, you realize how many things are not out yeah. <laughs> as opposed <laughs> to what we think we're out. So that's probably the easiest one. You do learn very quickly when you take up umpire. And again, now with technology, um, the way it is, you, you're finding that some things are, uh, are less out again. So um, it's fair to say. So, and depending on whether it's spinners or quicks, but yeah, it, it does it does give you an added appreciation now of uh, what's out and what's not out. Do you really enjoy the new role? It, it has its moments, but yeah, I do. It's it's still keeping yourself uh, keeping myself involved in the game. So uh, honestly, you, you, you pinch yourself sometimes. You know, I've had I've been lucky to uh, travel to a lot of the different parts of the world now doing it. Um, so I think in that part, from that perspective, it's been fantastic to see different parts of the world I didn't when I played. Um, but also, yeah, as an umpire, I think, again, an appreciation for some of the skills of these players these days, and you get the best seat in the house to watch it all. So, yeah, it's put it this way, it's a far, there's far more positives and negatives in the job we do. How, how do you find the um, the DRS? Because I'm assuming that as an umpire, that's sort of – it's almost um, – there's a lot of anticipation that would go with it. You make a decision, you might say that the batsman's out, and then they, they review it, you have to stand there and wait, and then someone's checking your decision. It must be tough. <laughs> it's different it's different it's uh, it's like getting instant feedback mate we used to get instant feedback we're just a place telling you gave a stinker but now you've got a the whole, the whole rest of the world and millions of people get to watch you go through that uh that sort of uh, minute and a half two minute process you just you just don't play the game as you normally would you make a decision and yeah the players got a right to to review that if they believe it's uh, incorrect um yeah it's just a sort of a moment as i said 90 seconds to two minutes where you sort of you, you watch with well you, in some cases you think you, you think you're right Yep. Um, and in, in, other, in other ways, and on the other side, if you've made one and you, you see that first replay come up, go, oh, okay, I've got that wrong. Yep. That's the beauty of DRS is when it gets overturned and we just get on with the game. So yep. um, I think it, it works both ways. Yeah, well, I mean, it was pretty well publicised, wasn't it? And he, he has since apologised. But uh, talking about players saying you had a stinker, uh, Tim Payne, sort of it wasn't his best moment when he swore at you. How, how, do, you, how do you handle that from the other side? Well, you know, he came out with a family word. <laughs> um, the, the, the funny one with that one is that um, he, he just did it near the stump, Mike. So um, it's every player knows that once once you say it and it ends up going live to air, um, every player knows it's just an automatic code. Um, so yeah, in that instance, to be honest with you, I didn't realise he'd said it, not, and none of us did. And we only realised that it was sort of a news item till after the day's play. Um, obviously, when we we had heard the recording and whatever else, but. Um, yeah, look, uh, people get heated in the, in the, in the battle. Um, the interesting was, obviously, we were, we were Australian umpires umpiring Australian Test cricket, which is the uh, first time it's happened in years. Um, so there's, there's an element of um, being familiar, the players being familiar with us. So I think in a way we talk to each other as you might normally talk um, in a shield game or, you know, a domestic one-day game. But, of course, these have got stunt mics and 30-odd cameras. You're going to get caught saying things you shouldn't be saying. Um, and I think that's just one of those things that all, all of us learn from time to time. Hey Blocker, how, how can we how can we improve and speed up these rain delays? Because I, I understand you guys are bound by the laws and, and the regulation. You've got certain requirements you have to do to fulfil your duties, but it's just frustrating as a punter watching when you know it stops raining, particularly when you're out the cricket, and you know it feels like you can get back on there sooner than than it's happening at the moment. How do how do we speed that up? Yeah, it's probably it's got it's got quicker. I would think in the last five years than it has ever before. Um, yeah, I think that's because of twenty twenty cricket and ODI cricket, where we tend to get on as quick as we can. Yep. Um, with Test cricket, the slight difference there, I think you've got to realise when you've got a five day game and you've got rain on the day one, for instance, like we had in Sydney, you've got to be careful and be conservative there because you just you've got to be careful how quickly you get onto a pitch or get onto an outfield when you've got four more days to go, and you've got to bear in mind the players. It's it's their arena, it's their pitch. You don't want to do something and make a decision that 
effectively could cause an issue to the pitch or a player. Um, the instance in Brisbane we had, where the frustrating part of that is our playing conditions don't allow us to uh, restart a game after the scheduled stumps. In that case, it was five o'clock Brisbane time. Uh, we're looking at something where well, we reckon it could have been ready in the next 20 minutes. But the problem is we couldn't start the game after five o'clock. And that's a real frustration for, yeah, okay. for us, the players, for people watching at home, the crowd. Uh, but unfortunately, we're sort of bound by the playing conditions. That's all. That's And they usurp the laws of the game. So it is frustrating. We get it. Um, but mm. as I said, with Test cricket, you just got to be, particularly early on in a game, you've just got to be careful you're not too brazen and too proactive about getting on because it could cause issues down the over the next three or four days. I want to ask you quickly about Pistol because um, I was lucky enough to play a lot of cricket with him. Um, and it, it, it astounds me that he's now an umpire because when he played cricket, he didn't really enjoy cricket, I don't think. But he's, but he's now one of the best umpires in the world. Yeah, he is. He'll probably tell you now uh, <laughs> that he doesn't enjoy it either. <laughs> uh, he says the same thing, mate. But I've got to say, he's, uh, he's an outstanding umpire. Um, he's he just had a, he's forged a great career for himself. He's a wonderful guy to, uh, to work with. Um, with a time or away, so yeah, but yeah, yeah he's, uh, he's, he's, he probably would self admit that he's still not sure whether he enjoys cricket yet. So, you reckon by the time he retires from umpire, he might be able to tell you whether he does or not. He certainly got a bit of Clint Eastwood about him, there's no question about that. But, but the, just, just, just in closing, I suppose you really have to make that step outside of the playing mentality, don't you? Like, you, you, you can be friendly, you can call them by their names, but you, you've got to keep a distance. A bit like when you've got young children, you can't be their best friend every day of the week can you no no that's, that's a pretty good analogy actually you, you can't you can't be their best friend but I think there's an element there that it is very much a people's game um, and having a relationship with players or a rapport with players is very important so everyone comes from a different walk of life everyone's got their own issues when they turn up to play a, a day's play and I think having played the game and played with many different people you get a gauge on how someone's going from day to day whether it's a multi-day game or it's a white ball game so I think that part of it is still there. So I'd never like to see an umpire sort of separate themselves completely because that rapport with players is very important when things get heated. And if they have some sort of idea of what you're like, it makes things a lot easier. Um, I think if, you, if you're a bit too aloof, it, it makes it a real challenge when the heat's on. Yeah, just don't wear the penguin suit down at the bar, mate. I think that that's the good way to keep it separate, mate. <laughs> yeah, it's not a great look anyway, to be honest. You wear your ICC gear down the bar. I'm not really sure it looks that good. Paul Wilson, great to have you on Afternoon Sport. Thanks for having a chat. No, no worries at all, mate. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. Coming up on Afternoon Sport, John Stephenson. He's got so much to say today. Stump to Stump is Australia's newest and most interactive cricket platform for all cricket fans, players and clubs to share stories, match results, memories and experiences. StumpToStump.com Afternoon sport and uh, it's that time of the week. Well, we happen to have this twice a week. So how lucky are we? John Stephenson, my dear old thing. G'day, John. Oh, Tim. Oh, Shane. How good are Fridays? Yeah, exactly when you got to work Saturdays. But anyway, there's, <laughs> it ends in why. Now, every day above ground's a good one. I live by that philosophy. Little question of that. I want to start with UFC, Conor McGregor. Now, he's an interesting one, isn't he? He's the marketer's dream, but his skill set, is starting to fade. How do they deal with it? Oh, Tim. It's, it's, it's that wonderful sport of boxing, mixed martial arts, and the, the pugilistic format, isn't it? It's just it, it comes with so much theatrics inside and outside the ring. And, you know, Conor McGregor's never shy of that. It, it, though watching him lose um, against Dustin um, was 
was a strange feeling for me because the comments that we're hearing now about that he's lost it, he should retire, he's lost his mystique. I kind of felt that as soon as I saw the fight ending and him laying on the canvas. Um, the one thing Connor has done really, really well over his time as a fighter was that he called himself Mystic Mac. It was that mystique of, I touch you, my left hand, you fall. And for a while, he was doing that. Um, he mm. didn't look like that same killer against Dustin. Am I saying he's not that same killer? Definitely not. It's fighting. Of course, he can come back. We've seen him come back against Cowboy Tyrone and win that fight um, by very famously pretty much almost knocking him out with his shoulder after he's lost to Khabib Namagamadov. Now, moving forward, what's next for Connor? I personally think the guy has done extremely well inside the ring. Um, they call they don't call him the champ champ for no reason, being a two-division champion. He's done extremely well outside of the ring. I would like to see him leave it now, keep a little bit of that mystique um, left in our memories of, of the Conor McGregor that absolutely put UFC on the map, became became the Floyd Mayweather of the UFC, um, and – and we just left that mystique uh, now outside the ring of maybe if he did come back, would he be able to win? I think that's better than for him to take another loss or to fight somebody that's really an easy beat for him and, and do that, that age-old boxing thing which, you know, you fight that one fight too long and mm. it pretty much, you know, discredits. Well, not discredits, but you're as good as your last fight, unfortunately. Um, it sort of just puts that 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 little bit of a question mark on what I think was a fabulous career. Yeah, well, it's it's, it's for those that remember it, the, in Happy Days, the program, the jump the shark moment. You don't want to have a jump the shark moment, do you? Yeah, now, Happy now, Days no, for our listeners, unfortunately. I mean, I don't know where you just bring up Happy Days. But... Sunday, Monday. <sighs> Is that the Fonz, right? Saturday, what a day. Yeah, the Fonz, it's Richie Cunningham, it's Potsy Weber, it's Ralph Mouth, it's... Howard, it's Marion, it's Joni, it's all those people. You're really showing your age now, Tim. Anyway. John, I didn't mind a bit of happy days back in the day. Jeez, now Ron Howard's done it right for himself, hasn't he? Um, anyway, someone who wasn't that happy last night was Nick Curios. Uh, what was going on there? Yes, yeah, Shane, we saw Nick. Uh, uh, again, uh, the umpire was wrong here. Like, I watched the footage. He was in his serving motion. Unfortunately, Nick's always going to have those that love him or hate him. And that's just going to be a bit like the John McEnroe effect, right? They're always going to be that umpire that's going to want to put that full stop or, or that question mark or, or be a part of his games in some way, which sucks for the guy. I really, I really think it's quite unfair. He's that younger generation that really stands up for themselves. For the older generation, for the baby boomers, the Gen X, they just look at him like, Nick, come on, man, forget about it. Play the point, play the game. I look at it like this is this guy's swag. It's what makes him great. It's how he plays tennis. And he's a definite X factor. I love watching him play. As he reaches full potential, no. But the guy, you know, anytime he plays tennis, you love watching him. And I, I just personally think that the umpire was banging out of order. That was my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the fact that I, I love Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley on that, I'm showing my age. But I also am showing my age by the point where I, I think my problem with the kind of behavior that – he goes on with at times is just the disrespect for when he starts losing the plot at their role. Oh, you're just this, you're just that. Anyway, look, we could talk about that all day, but let's talk Lewis Hamilton, this guy, yeah, top of the pops, extraordinary in what he's done in, in motor racing, but it seems like Mercedes have given him a month. This is, uh, 
you know, look, we all just thought it was just a little bit of byplay with managers and, uh, you know, messing about, trying to get a bit more than the $140 million. But they said they're going to release their car on March 3, John. Yes, they are. And, you know, the Lewis Hamilton's the introverted Nick Kyrgios of Formula 1, right, with all the mm. tattoos and bling and, you know, cool kit. Um, yeah, I, this guy's honestly, I mean, I know we're in, a, we're in the business of, of – giving sports news, but this should not be news. I mean, Lewis will be driving the Mercedes. Uh, he will sign a contract worth $70 million. Uh, he will drive very well. He will possibly win an eighth world championship, I think, quite easily. Um, and we will just – this is merely lawyers and management doing the the, the age-old dance of contract negotiation. I, I, I just think it's, it's all beat-up news. I think they – you know, the media want – an answer because Mercedes is the only team in the constructors championship that hasn't announced their driver lineup for this, for this season. So, and he's coming to obviously the first race he's looming on us really quickly. So I think the media is beating this up. Total Wolf has been very open to saying, look, I've got, I'm not only have a business relationship with Lewis, I have a friendship with him as well. Um, he's showing no angst. They thought that maybe the whole COVID um, issue was what slowed negotiation down. I just merely think it's lawyers and managers getting in the way. He'll be in the uh, still barrows and he'll be kicking butt this year. Now, John, you and I disagreed a little bit the other day about Israel Folau, um, but the Dragons have decided not to go ahead with him. Do you think this is people power in action? <laughs> yeah, Shane, we deal with. Look, I thought it was a good chat. Was quite, I, I think it's good to get other people's perspectives, but I think it's our job to to show the reason why. I mean, it's really easy for us to take the tabloid headline approach on on why Izzy shouldn't be playing and, and, and what he has done. I mean, it's quite obvious. Um, moving forward, um, it looks like it could be a bit of a sticking point, maybe 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 from Israel's side, it sounds like to me. I think the NRL and St. George would have been pretty heavy-handed on what they needed from Israel. And I think he's used to calling his own shots. And he's got to be very careful, we talked about this, on what he signs and what he does. Because whatever he puts his name to right now, um, he has to abide by it because both sides know what they're getting into, what dance they're going to do. So I, I got a feeling that um, that it's a watch this space. I don't think it's over. I, I think that um, that Israel knows that, look, he's a great player when it comes to the, the game of football, whether it's in rugby union or rugby league. But I do think that he realises the influence he has not only in the game but out the game as well because we're still talking about his beliefs and what he believes in as a man, which I find so, so peculiar. You know, there's, there's, there's guys that have done worse crimes that are allowed to play football. This guy and his beliefs, and we, we're, we're completely bugging out and making news, and you've got guys like Carl Stepanovic basically jumping over his desk talking about how, how this guy should not be allowed to play rugby for the hurtful things he said and done. I mean, wow. Anyway, you know, I just hope that we get to see the great man play football again soon and we can all move on from this debacle. Yeah, he's 31. He's got a lot of ability. My view is that he, he will pick up a contract and I think that the NRL will let him in. It's just uh, where it will be, to be honest with you. Now, John, just finishing up, most importantly, you know you know when you get these weekly haircuts, do you do you get so like some waxing as well around the ears and the nose? Is that what you do, Manscaped? Do you want to know the honest truth today? Mm-hmm. I, I, shaved, I, I actually shaved my legs, but I'm not a naturally... Glad you said legs there. <laughs> some people see their body as a temple. Others are rambling homestead. John, good to talk to you. Thanks, boys. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you goes to Corey McKernan, John Stephenson, and big umpire Paul Wilson. Thank you to our sponsors, of course, too, Shane. SpartanSportsHQ.com. And the king of production when it comes to podcasts, Dan McHugh. We'll see you next week. We'll see you then, guys.